As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Testing, testing, one, two, three, testing. We are good. All right, welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. We have a special edition this week. Normally, Mr. Slater and I, Anthony Slater, renowned Warriors guru, etc., myself, Sam Amick, NBA national writer at The Athletic. We go around the league, but it's remote, it's Zoom. Uh, we're sitting here in person today with the one and only Mike Dunleavy, GM of the Golden State Warriors. Mike, thank you for joining us. Well, technically, there are two Mike Dunleavys. So, um, <laughs> Junior. Yeah, apologies. <laughs> yes. I really don't go by that, but um, in that case, if you're going to load it up with the one and only, we have to be precise. I was just telling, since you went there, Mr. Slater, I'm going to just own, you and I are similar ages, right? Yeah, I think I so. told Slater that it, it aged me a bit, that I, I caught the tail end of your dad's career. <laughs> I have memories of walking into that Clippers head coaching front office and picking his brain on those teams. So, uh, you know, you are representing very well these days. Uh, I'm sure he's proud of you. How is Pops doing? Is he good? Is yeah, he he's doing great. Just saw him recently and uh, living down in New Orleans. He was at Tulane for a couple of years. Uh, plays a lot of golf and uh, enjoys. He's got eight grandkids, so he's, he's staying busy. Is his mind with you on the grandkids and the non-hoops? Do you all chop it up about this roster and this league and, and the, the game these days at all? Yeah, and, and pretty much anything that um, you know, I'd be willing to listen on, he's happy to talk about. So yeah, he'll he'll talk talk about whatever you want, but um, get him going, and he's got some good stuff to say. Good stuff, man. Glad to hear it. Uh, we're gonna go a little macro and micro today. Uh, I'm gonna start with the macro stuff. It's been a couple months since you were elevated from the assistant GM position to GM, and, and you talk about you know a tough act to follow. Bob Myers did some fantastic work here, but you guys were in lockstep all the way through. You know, you go back to 2018 when you had the pro scouting job and post playing career. I'm really always fascinated just to, to get insight from guys on why they went down the road they went down when the ball stops bouncing for them. You know, that is a hell of an adjustment. And, and you've, you've gracefully made the transition, but take us through kind of the short version of that a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, I think when you're playing the league, uh, whether it's the Players Association, the NBA, they bang you over the head with, you know, the ball doesn't bounce forever and you got to figure out what you're going to do next. And um, for me, I always knew I wanted to stay in basketball. Incredibly passionate about it. Love the game. And, um, you know, my dad coached, uh, my brother's college coach, and uh, 
thought it through and was like, you know what, that's not what I want to do. Uh, <laughs> didn't didn't love particularly the transient lifestyle and had just played 15 years in the league and you know you're going to all the road games, all the home. It's just just a lot. So with a young family, I thought you know the front office side was probably more to my liking and I've really enjoyed it. Um, the scouting part of it, um, the kind of the long-term strategic thinking, um, and just kind of building a team. I, I really, really like that. So um, it, it's gone well. I've learned a lot. Been very fortunate to be here with the Warriors for five years, where whether it's Bob Myers or Kirk Lacob or Steve Kerr, our players, all throughout the organization, picked up so many things. And, um, you know, I feel really fortunate to be in this situation the, right now. The way I remember it, you were still kind of deciding. You were living in New York. You were a pro scout for them, East Coast-based. Um, and it was the summer that Durant left. And uh, I th- it seemed like you were kind of starting to lean, like, I know I want to do this long term. And you were with Bob in New York, because Kevin's in New York, just has Achilles surgery. Uh, and you guys are executing the D'Angelo Russell sign and trade, which is a pretty massive moment, uh, you know, in the last half decade or so. And you and Bob are, I mean, you could tell it maybe better than me, but. It seemed to me that was like that was such a rush of a night in that first night of free agency and what you guys executed that you, you came out of that night like, okay, I really want to do this. Yeah, I think I really knew that I wanted to do it. Um, I wouldn't have signed up for the position when, when Bob asked about it to do it that whole first year. But yeah, that was sort of the point where it's like, all right, this is this is really the height of it. This is kind of what what's fun or, or what isn't. And for me, it was it was great fun. It was it was challenging. It was difficult. But um, at that point, I knew I, I really wanted to, you know, go from dipping my toes into fully immersing Cannibal, myself. Fully yeah, that exactly. Was, that was kind of a <laughs> exactly. Ron exactly. Do you remember anything specific about that night? And like, I just remember being like, "All right, man. Like, one, like, we're never doing free agency in New York again because of time change. And like, can I can I go to bed now? Can I go to bed now?" And you know, it ended up being four or five in the morning. So um, it was it was a late night, and then you get up the next morning you turn it around quickly because that was only you know that was only the first day um and that's probably the the fun of the job and it's kind of when i took over this year you get into the draft you get into free agency summer league there's a four-week sprint of it's a whirlwind and um it's really like i think when people think about being general manager and being in basketball operations like this is the peak whereas maybe like you know you're playing it's the playoffs or whatever that's sort of our playoffs and um yeah, it's, it's a fun time of year. Well, I think that is a good kind of way to pivot to it. Your first – what day of the job for you was it when the Chris Paul trade goes down? I mean, that was like day eight or something? Uh, I think I mean, it was – As far as official title, I know that you, I, I think it was day two. I think it was like the second day because I think it was a Monday that we did the press conference. The draft was Thursday, and we did the yeah. CP deal on Wednesday. So I think it was a couple days in. Um, obviously I had an idea things were trending that way. Um, and then this, the, the, the CP stuff that developed over maybe a week or 10 days, that was not a long-term deal that we were, we were working on. So, um, it, it happened fast. Yeah. Um, I know one of the things I've heard you say since then as kind of maybe, you know, justifying the deal, however you want to put it. Um, I mean, you guys, you, you traded a 23-year-old rising player who scored 20 a game on under long-term control for, you know, obviously a 39-year-old. It's a win-now move. There's financial aspects at play, the second apron, which we can get to. But also I've heard you just say, look, look, it's a year-by-year league. Look, what do you – what is your general meaning of what, you know, it being a year-by-year league and why, like, whatever, we're just making the move for now. We can worry about later, later. I think, yeah, I think this league and this job is all about capitalizing on time horizons. And right now, 
we're in the thick of a, a period where we feel like we can still contend and we want to take advantage of that. You don't know how quickly your window will close, but I think our guys, whether it's Steph, it's Draymond, it's Clay, they've showed those core guys have shown an ability to continue to play at a high level. And coming off a championship, you know, just two years ago, I think we all feel like we're still right there. And so to make a move to bring in Chris was, I mean, some may see it as short, short-sighted, short-term, but yeah, it helps us win now, and then it gives us some future fi- financial flexibility. And you know, the hardest part is, as you mentioned, trading a young player that we really like that is only going to keep getting better. But uh, you got to make some tough decisions in this business, and uh, this is one that we calculated and felt like made sense for now and moving forward. To that point, Mike, a big thing that you know Slater and I spend a lot of time doing in our jobs is just trying to learn. The behind-the-scenes stuff, right, like how things evolved, how they unfolded. You mentioned the time span with the Chris deal. When did that idea first cross your desk and, and in what form? And then just from there, how quickly did it become a real thing? I think it first came up when uh, the news came out that Phoenix was not going to bring Chris back. They were going to either buy him out or pick up, you know, however they are going to trade him or whatever it was. And that probably came out in early June. And from there, we just – you know, all of a sudden the guy's going to be available. I think we initially thought of it as can we get him on a minimum contract in free agency if he's waived, and then it just kept building from there. And we identified him as a guy we thought could help our team, and the reason that was with just his experience, his leadership. Uh, we struggled last year and in years past with taking care of the ball. Um, we struggled sometimes at end of games with decision making. So we felt like, yeah, Chris is a little bit older, uh, but he fits with our group and he can help us in some areas that we're deficient in. So um, it started to make sense. And then we had to make the, the salaries and the money work and all that. And, and we, we did. But um, that was sort of how it all began. One of the benefits I would think that you have as a former player, you know locker rooms, you know the camaraderie of, of guys who share so much space and time together. So with that in mind, uh, this CP with the Warriors personal dynamics component is one of the most unique that I've probably ever seen. And I think from the fan standpoint, there's still so much curiosity about how did they get to yes as a group? You know, you have history with he and Draymond. You have all the context that you're aware of. Um, unpack that a little bit. As the guy who's now leading, you know, the roster in the front office, how did you, you know, approach that element? Yeah, I think you realize that these guys are all adults. Our guys that have been here, the veterans, um, plus Chris, who's been around the league, uh, played many years, and they all have one thing in common at this point in their careers, they want to win. And that common thread, uh, we felt like, will unify the group. And, you know, there may be some awkwardness or uncomfortableness, which I think probably is more so in the media than it is with these guys. I mean, they're already connecting, getting together in different areas, playing. So. That stuff, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of worries about that. But I think just the common thread of competitiveness, intelligence, and just being adults, those things make me believe that this thing can really work. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, 
courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Was there a message from Steph or any of the other guys or a moment when you said, all right, I don't need to worry about this. They, like you said, these guys are yeah, grown-ups and adults. Yeah, I think for those guys, Draymond, Steph, um, especially, you know, like you said, they've been through the wars with Chris so many years, and, and Chris the same way, that I think it came down to just that initial idea of it. There's a little bit of a shock, and then once you settle in and think about it and the ways that it would work, I think they quickly came back to this is kind of a no-brainer. And that's the way we felt as, a, as an organization, as a front office, is this deal makes a lot of sense. And um, barring anything where somebody's really pushing back against it on either side, we should go through with it. Wider scope roster-wise, uh, you know, you sign Sarge this summer, you, you make a couple draft picks. Um, you still have 14, your 14th roster spot open, and 15, technically, if you decide to use it. Um, but... A lot of the conversation, obviously, is around the big man position. Are you guys big enough? Um, Jokic now kind of roams around the conference. Uh, where are you at on your front court right now? I know you guys brought in several veterans at all positions this summer, but including bigs, Tony Bradley, Dwight Howard was probably the, the, the highlight name there. Where are you at on your front court? And are you of the belief that, that what you guys have, while technically undersized NBA-wise, is big enough for the battles that could be coming down the line. Yeah, I think looking at it, going into training camp right now, we have five guys under Robbie Sandusman and Garuba today on a two-way. We have five guys that can give us minutes at the five position. And um, I think about it through camp, making sure everybody gets the appropriate amount of reps. Uh, our, our rookie, Trace Jackson Davis, who we drafted in the second round, we want him to get some reps. Garuba, absolutely same thing. Young player, want him to play. So I think as we kind of look at that and evaluate it. We want to make sure there's enough reps in camp and, and early on in the season, but we'll constantly be evaluating. I think we'll keep flexibility open, um, you know, and sh- sure, we could add a big, we could add a wing, we could, maybe, maybe there's an injury, we need to add a guard. So I think for us, more so than any position of need right now, we're really focused on flexibility and we'll see where we go from here. I'm going to hit the rewind button a little bit, a little more macro. Uh, you know, officially, like we said, you take the GM job in June. But months and months, if not longer, before then, you were kind of seen as the guy that if Bob chose to, to do something different, that Mike would likely have a good shot at it. Within that, uh, you know, timeline-wise, I'm thinking that there was a minute, you know, Slater and I with, with Marcus Thompson and, and Sham Sharani wrote a piece about Bob's future back midseason when it was really unclear what direction you guys were going to go with the roster. Are you going to lean into the championship window? Are you going to blow this thing up? And in the middle of that, as a young executive – you're making choices for yourself. Do I see this as a place where I want to be? But the roster matters, right? The, the philosophy, the strategy matters. Did you have any clarity uh, at that time about the idea that, that Joe and ownership would be willing to, to, to push the way they have and the way they did in the summer? And, and when did that part come into to clear? And, and did that play a part in your choice? You mean in terms of the financial spending yeah, push? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in this – fortunately for me being in this position, I was – thinking through this team all last year and the prior year. So the familiarity is there. And so my mindset hasn't changed of how do we, you know, continue to compete for a championship as long as our 
main guys can still do that, which we think we can. So um, the financial part of it was a little tricky for sure. Um, you know, you have certain projections and ideas of what you want to spend and what you think you can spend. Uh, but once, you know, once we got to the off season and, um, you know, in my wildest dreams, no, did I think Chris Paul would be here today? I, I did not, but the opportunity came up. And again, it made sense from a basketball standpoint and a playing standpoint, um, a financial standpoint. The, 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 the ad, the, there's, there was more probably spending that we anticipated, but again, it made sense in the long run as well as the short. So uh, to answer your question in full, um, <clears throat> I know that Joe's highly competitive and always when you put something in front of him, it's all, first and foremost is about winning. And I knew if we could put something in front of him that made a lot of sense in that regard, he listened and he did and he listened more and more and it made sense. And eventually I think he, he was very good with where we're at in terms of making the trade and um, even more so where we're at financially. The second apron is going to become one of the new terms, right? The bird rights and, and name all your random CBA terms that get popularized. It directly, probably you and the Clippers, would you say, is, is the teams that it – and it's Phoenix coming up to the way they're spending. Um, how do you see that impacting the way you are going to maneuver, but also already have? Because clearly that was at least part of, of the Jordan Poole for Chris Paul trade. And, and as you've absorbed what those penalties are, like how are you viewing it? Like how punitive and, and troublesome yeah. is that? Look, I mean, I think first and foremost for Joe and the whole franchise, I think it's a compliment. You know, they're making rules to prevent you from succeeding. And I think that's the way that, you know, some of us, or certainly Joe, sees it as. Um, financial implications that would maybe keep us from going to a certain level. The rest stuff as well, a little bit, um, seems to be targeted at a roster similar to ours. So I think, first of all, you take it as a compliment. Um, when, you know, just like Kareem, they took the dunk out, right? Didn't they take the dunk out of college, college basketball? Yeah. yeah, so, like, you got to first – let it soak in and feel, okay, we did something right. Um, but after that, I think not only the second apron, but for us to have the financial flexibility to get below the tax, uh, we, we had that in our back pocket as well. So I think we don't just look at it as one thing. We look at it as multiple ways. And I think we've got that flexibility right now that it's good while also like having a really good team. So um, we're in a sweet spot right now. We'll see where it goes from here. And as we talked about at the beginning, it's kind of a year to year thing and um, we'll continue to evaluate. You mentioned Joe. Um, I'm really curious to hear what it's like working with and for Joe. And and I remember back to, you know, when Bob was here and they joke about how much time they spent together. And there's a quote in front of me here, Mike, that uh, that didn't make me smile a bit. So this is Joe talking about you getting elevated, what you bring to the program. And, and before you know it, Joe's mind goes to the golf course. <laughs> and he says, and I quote, this is Warriors owner Joe Lakeham, Um talking about you go to a Steph Curry golf tournament he says I played with Mike in that I love Bob but he doesn't play golf I wish he played golf Mike's a great guy fits in great we're really really excited and lucky to have him as great as Bob Myers and the uh, was and the great job that he did over 12 years I don't think we're going to miss a beat here uh two layers there is that flattering to hear Joe say that and golf wise I mean y'all doing Multiple 18-round, uh, you know, trips a week. What are we doing here? I mean, I'm a, whatever I can do to get outside and spend a little time with our owner, I'm open to, whether that's golf, pickleball. Oh, uh, we pickleball. We play some cornhole. Huh? Nice. Um, 
you know, I'm down for anything that's outdoors. You can play games and compete around it. And I think Joe likes the same stuff. I've heard he uh, is like either leading or won Shane Battier's like fantasy golf league. I went, I went on with Jason Jackson, who apparently got last in the league on Sirius. Yeah, that's um, that's more of a gambling thing. But uh, no, we we mess around with that a little bit. I mean, I look, I follow a lot of sports, like to participate in a lot of stuff. Um, and by the way, that's not to say Bob doesn't. I mean, sure. Bob, you know, we he does that stuff too. So um, overall, like, get along well, well really well. With, with all the we listen, Joe's legacy is intact. He's done an incredible job as the owner of this franchise. Incredible. He is as high energy a human as you will ever come across. So if we're speaking plainly about having quote unquote bosses, the part that struck me was, you know, as the quote unquote employee going, oh, that's all I need is more time with with you know, but. However, you need to connect, right? Yeah, no. I mean, if uh, I'm happy, if we, if he needs four hours, you know, we can get on the golf course. Sure. That's the way I see it. Sure. Um, but no, our communication is really good. Um, but is he as you know, twenty four seven as it appears from the outside, in terms of yeah? I mean, you're speaking and, you're speaking right now from a time period where it's a little bit quiet this time of year. Um, but we're keeping him in the loop on stuff, and then as the season starts, yeah. I mean, he's you know, you send him a text at six a.m. or six p.m. Like he's or he's sending you something about a game he's watching or something going on or a news story. So um, I, I love the fact that he's so engaged, so competitive. And, I mean, he's just passionate. He's passionate about it, like, just like we are. Where are you on the uh, organizational ladder as far as golf game? I assume Steph yeah, we got some. Top spot. Yeah, we got some players. I mean, Steph's great. Johnny West, who's in our group, is a really good player. Um, but, you know, we all like to get around and, and play a little bit. Johnny's cheating Place now. yourself here. Um, um, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, we've got some other good players in the front or office. Below Andre Iguodala? Andre is we're probably in that same realm. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you're good. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm okay. Oh, Joe. <laughs> I'm okay. Joe's 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 good. Yeah. yeah, he's good. He he notoriously doesn't practice much, and he just wants to show up and play 18. Is he driver off the tee every he's time? He's good. He's just he's he, Allen Iverson of the group. Yeah, no, he's like no all practice. of us. You know, you have some 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 missteps and some poor shots, but overall, like. Joe, Joe's a good player, a good athlete. Yeah. See, Slater went down the golf road. You got me with pickleball. So, Mike, when I covered the bubble in Orlando, one of my, my kind of, you know, things I pulled out of there, the, the referees taught us media guys how to play pickleball. And Scott Foster was my pickleball coach. You know, refs all day, every day doing it. And to this day, literally yesterday, I played in front of our house, which is in a, a court, cul-de-sac. We have the court. You know, it's been like not spray painted, but but chalked out, sure. you know, so I think the next pod should be, you know, Mike and a partner, Slayer and I doing a little pickleball. 
I'm like, in for that. I'm, I'm more golf. <laughs> I, I do know the um, – it's funny you say that about the officials. Um, I've seen some of the courts by my house. I've seen those guys, like, morning of a game, they, they go out there and play. and oh, have a big hardcore. game in the mornings. I've never played with them, but people have heard, oh, I know who's reffing tonight. He was down at the pickleball court. So, um, it's man, everybody's playing it. It's such a, such a big deal right now. When Scott Foster and I first talked about pickleball – he started naming little neighborhoods in Sacramento where I live that I'd never even heard of because it's all, you know, every city he goes to knows just finds where all game. the courts are. Yeah, that's Indeed. great. Indeed. My gym just took all the tennis courts away and turned them into football oh, yeah. courts. That's a thing. Not to get back to uh, business, but um, <laughs> I just, you know, you this upcoming, you know, month or whatever, over the next year, you have two expiring deals of, of core pieces. One is your coach, Steve Kerr. The other, Clay Thompson. Just where do you feel like that's at at this moment? We're talking on you know in late September, um, with just those two core. Yeah, I, I think it's in a good spot in the sense that both sides, um, you know, want to be back. We we want those guys to continue to be here. I think those guys want to find ways to to resign or extend their contracts. So that's the most important thing right off the bat. And I think from there, you know, you're hopeful and optimistic a deal can get done. So we'll continue to talk with their representation and work through it. But um, yeah, I mean, we really, it's, it's hard to imagine what it would look like without Steve coaching this group or Clay being a part of it. So we want to, we want to continue to pursue that. Championship is obviously the, the, you know, the uh, aspiration around here. And that's where the level has been. Draymond and Clay over the summer had a few just different events where they were pretty outspoken about winning number five uh how i guess just how intense is that feeling within this group because outsiders you know quote unquote are going to sit here and say oh, the warriors are getting too old they don't have it um but as far as the belief and where everybody's mindset is at going into the year how much open talk is there about number five yeah i mean i think we're in a ironically a better spot than we were last year coming off of a championship um you know having a little bit of a down year for us the, the motivation seems to be back the amount of time guys have put in with the, the gym, the bodies this summer. Uh, you just get that sense of guys are in the right place. And that, I think that's all you can ask for in September for a group like ours. It's had so much experience and success to, to mentally be in the right place to, to start pursuing a, another title is uh, right where you want to be. Last one from me. Um, as you, I mean, you obviously inherited, you know, the, the, the ending days of this dynasty core. How would you view your, I guess, like ethos as a GM? And like, you know, obviously you don't have a blank slate. Very few GMs come in with a blank slate. But like, how would you just view to the, you know, to the fans, your ethos of how you like to like build the team? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, thinking about my experience just alone here in five years, what I've gone through, I mean, the draft process alone, we've drafted at the top at number two, we've drafted in the lottery at eight and 14, we drafted this year at 19, my first year we're at 28. So as a team, that means you've been all over the place. Um, we've been, cha been a championship team, we've been a second round playoff team, we, we lost in the play-in, we had the worst record in the league. So for me, I've it, it, the years that we weren't good wasn't great, but it's a learning experience. And so for me, building a team or, you know, maybe extending this uh, this window, um, the main thing is I think you got to do it around your personnel and, you know, your coaching staff and all that. And for me being here, I, I have a good understanding of what, what our group likes, what our group needs. And we'll continue to go forward with that until – um, you know, we need to pivot or adjust in some way. And I think there's been a good history of that here, uh, whether it's, you know, the, the, the Wiggins move, um, some small little tweaks here and there. Uh, the group's done a pretty good job, and I think we can do that moving forward. 
Last one for me, Mike. We, we talked about all these other sports, pickleball, golf, and uh, you know. But what about the game that, that you've played your entire life? Do you hoop at all anymore? And and if not, I you know I looked at it right now. You played 17 years, first four with the Warriors, and and I'm always the longer I cover the league, more you know intellectually curious about guys finding themselves you know after their career. Um, yeah, it's funny. I don't really play anymore. My kids a little bit mess around with them in the driveway um, at the park, but um, body wise. My left hip's a little cranky, and so golf, pickleball, cycling, swimming, things like that are a little better for me. Uh, I miss it from time to time. I miss it mostly in the playoffs at the height of the competition. But, um, you know, once I was done, I was kind of done, ready to move on. I don't have much of a desire to go get in a pickup game at the YMCA or whatever it is, kind of moved on to other things. But I still love the game, love being around it, love watching the game, and that's kind of where I'm at right now in my life. Good stuff. Thank you for joining us. Right. Good luck this season. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah.